Well, good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to Central. My name is Clayton. I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, it's, it's a great day to be here. Man, I see all these, all these people in the, the yellow shirts, and I get this text from one of the staff members, I'm not going to say who it was, but says in our staff text chain, says, today is the Schneider family reunion invasion of Central, so hide your wives and hide your kids. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but... Uh, we're glad you guys are here. <laughs> it's awesome to, to have you guys every year um, coming in and wearing your shirts and um, celebrating being a family together. We're glad that you guys are here. Glad that all of you guests are here with us as well. Hey, we're, we're finishing up finally a 12-week series. Can you believe it? I mean, when we started this at the beginning of the summer, we were talking like, what are we thinking to do a 12-week series? No one's going to pay attention. Everybody's going to be tired of it. But man, it's been great to just to hear from all of the disciples and hear what God has to teach us um, as we look through uh, the, these guys. And so if you want to take notes today, right behind me, there is a, a QR code. Just put your, your camera um, on, your, on your phone up to that, and it'll take you right to that. And you can, you can follow along with today's message. Uh, but man, I, I've been wanting to know just how popular these disciples are like in modern culture and their, their names. And so I went on the Googles um, today or this week and I typed in the top boy baby names of 2021. And we came up and we got to see all of the, the names of the disciples and where they rank, you know, with, with popularity here in America. So here, here it is up on the screen. We've got James who ranked 12th, which is kind of cool. And then you got John, uh, Matthew, Thomas, Andrew, Peter, um, Simon, Philip, you can kind of see where, where they rank. And then you get Nathaniel's like at almost 1,500 um, in rank. And Thaddeus even made it at 1,600. And then I began to scroll page after page after page and finally got to 9,146. And that's where Judas is in popularity. Like no one wants to have Judas uh, as their kid's name because we equate Judas with betrayal, don't we? I mean, that's, that's just who he is. And so we don't have to be around the bush this morning. We know that Jesus, uh, Judas equals betrayal. He is our final disciple, our 12th and final disciple um, in our series. And we're going to call him today Judas the Jacked Up, okay? So if you're thinking and trying to remember this guy, Judas the Jacked Up. Now, his real name is Judas Iscariot, and Iscariot is not his last name, and it's not the name of his father like some of the other disciples. Iscariot is, is a blending of two Hebrew words. One is, is ish, meaning man, and uh, kerioth, meaning the town of, uh, or ish kerioth, meaning the town of kerioth. And so he's from this area in southern Judah. So his name is Judas Ishkarioth, or Judas, Judas Iscariot. And this was kind of defined who he was, evidently, because he was different from all the other disciples. All the other guys, they came from Galilee, which is in the north. This is like across the tracks, the lower income, the poor kind of people. And this is where Jesus was from. This is where all the disciples were from, except for Judas. He came from the south, in and around Jerusalem, where all the rich people lived, you know, and all the, the, the wealthy people lived, and all the people that were privileged, and all the, the people that, that were educated. And this is where Judas um, came from. We don't know a whole lot about you know, what he did, but we do know that he had a special place, a special privileged place amongst the disciples because he was the treasurer, okay? And to be the treasurer, you had to be probably the most trusted disciple of all of them. So people would give money, um, like donate money, you know, to, for their tax purposes. I don't know, whatever. Okay, so back then, they, they gave money to Jesus' ministry, and, and who was going to be in charge of that? Evidently, they voted or something, and, and Judas was the most trustworthy guy, and so they put him in charge 
of all the money. We don't know a lot about what he did, but we do know that he was one of the 12 disciples and he was called by Jesus to do ministry. And several times he actually got to do ministry because it says, the Bible says there are a couple places where all the disciples went out. One was when Jesus divided them up into, into pairs and sent them out two by two to preach. And so Judas went and did that. I don't know who he partnered with. Maybe it was with Peter, I don't know, but he went out and he was um, one of those guys that went out and preached. And when Jesus told about 70 of his followers to go out to another town and begin to, to preach and, and ask people and call people to repent, he was, he was amongst that group as well. And his preaching was so great, all the disciples, the things that they did were so amazing that the Bible says they, went, they came back and got together with Jesus and they began to talk about all the things they had done and how demons were, um, were uh, answering them and doing what they, they said and people were repenting and coming to faith in Christ and Judas was a part of that. He got to sit under Jesus' teachings. He got to see all these miracles. He got to see more miracles than you and I have um, written in the Bible. We don't, we don't know all the things that he got to see, but it was pretty amazing. One of them was when, when Jesus was out on the, in the countryside and there was 5,000 or plus people um, all around him and he gets those two fish and those five loaves and he prays and blesses them and they begin to multiply into these baskets. And you can imagine that Judas was one of the guys who took the baskets around and fed all of these people. He got to be a part of some miracles, which is incredible. And so I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of jealous of Judas's position. He got to be in and around Jesus. It, it was pretty amazing um, what he got to, to witness, but something happened in his life. Something happened and he turned, and we know all, everything that he did, that he goes on and betrays Jesus. But why did he turn? People think it might have been from a couple, couple of different reasons. One was that uh, maybe it was, he had this love of money, being the, the treasurer, being in charge of the money all the time, that he just he, he wanted money, money and he was willing to, to, to steal it. In, in fact, John, later on, way after all the other gospels are written, after, after all everybody else has is, is passed away except for John, he's the last one uh, alive, and he writes the gospel of John, and he says this, that Judas was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some. For himself, So maybe his turn, the reason he turned um, on Jesus was because of, of greed and, and it was selfish about getting money. Also, he might have, might have turned on Jesus because he, he wanted a Messiah that Jesus wasn't. We talked about this sometimes this, this week or this, this, uh, this summer about how a lot of these guys, they were looking for a certain kind of Messiah that was going to come and take over and, uh, and be a military leader and a public figure and kick the Romans out and bring Israel back to the good old days. Regardless of why Judas betrayed Jesus, he wanted out. And you know what? When we want out of something, we'll go to great lengths, won't we, to try to get out of it. I remember when I was in college, uh, we were going on a ski trip, and I was with some of my buddies, and, and I wasn't driving. I think I was in the back seat, and one of my buddies, he was speeding. He was going really fast, like 85 or something, and he gets pulled over in New Mexico. And so he gets pulled over, pulled over, and we're just laughing at him. You know how it is, college students. You're just making fun of him, and you're like, yo, this is going to be awesome. They're going to forget this. And this, this police officer, officer walks up, and, and my friend, he just starts, like, getting all squirmy and, and nervous, and he tries to explain to him that he's this officer that he's it's totally a lie, okay? Trying to explain to him that he's got to pee so bad that he's about to pee in his pants, and that's why he was speeding. Anybody ever done that? Ever tried to pull that? Anybody? Yeah, you bunch of liars. I know someone in this room has done that, has tried, tried to get out. But he, he, he went to great lengths to try to get out of that ticket. He did not get out of that ticket. But we do that sometimes. We go to great lengths, and evidently that's what Judas did. He went to, to great lengths to try to get out of the situation that he found himself in, and he messed up big time. Now, I've asked you several times this summer, 
Which disciple do you identify with the most? Maybe it's Peter, the proud. Maybe it's Andrew, the evangelist. Maybe it's James, uh, we, we call him James the Jolt because he was really zealous for God. Maybe it's John the geriatric. Anybody in here? Okay, John the old dude. Okay, he was start out as probably the youngest disciple, but he ended up living for a really long time. We call him John the geriatric. And that was the first four group of disciples. And the second four group is maybe you identify with Philip, who was always a pessimist in his relationship um, with, with Jesus. Or Nathaniel, who had, a, had an intimate um, relationship with, with, with Jesus, and Jesus knew him um, very intimately. Maybe you identify with Matthew. We call him Matthew the money guy. Because Matthew, as being a tax collector, he was going one way, and God completely turned his life around. Maybe you identify with him. Maybe you identify with Thomas, who, who, was, uh, who was always really timid. We call him Thomas um, the timid. He had, he had doubts. Maybe you identify with James the John Doe, who's part of the last group of disciples, the ones we don't know very much about at all. This guy, we didn't know anything about him. And we asked the question, are you willing to, um, to live your entire life for Jesus and pour yourself out for Jesus and the cause of Christ and be completely forgotten? Are you willing to do that? Are you okay with that? Maybe you identify with Simon the Zealot. We call him Simon the Slicer, right? The guy that was knifing people all the time, Okay. So maybe identify with that. You're just really zealous for the Lord. Or maybe like last week, we talked about Thaddeus, the thinker. And he was just, you know, maybe almost too, too smart for his own good. And he needed to have some more faith. Maybe you identify with those people. Well, this morning, I just want to put this out there to you guys. Perhaps most of us identify the most with Judas. That Judas just might be the disciple that we have the most in common with. And let me explain it by, by giving you two questions and one sad truth. So to do that, we got to kind of set the scene. So the Gospels talk about Judas a whole lot. Um, there's all these kind of stories that are intertwined. And so, so let, me, let me set the scene. So it's Passover night. Uh, Jesus is about to be um, arrested in a few hours, and he is with his disciples. And Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 20, kind of picks it up. And it says, when it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? And they're like, is it me? Is it me? Like, there's no way that it's me. Is it me? <laughs> Verse 23 says that Jesus answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes at his, as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better that that man had not been born. And Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it, is it me? He says, is it, is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus looks at him and says, you have said so. So the scene is set for, for Judas to betray Jesus. And I was thinking, why did it come to this moment? Why did he betray Jesus in this moment? And to really answer that, you've got to kind of go back and look at two things that happened right before Judas betrays Jesus. One of them is that Jesus begins to teach about the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And if you are um, a follower of the Messiah and you, your idea of the Messiah is someone's going to be a religious and political and military leader and take over the Romans, and all of a sudden this guy is talking about how the, the temple is going to be destroyed and Jerusalem is going to come to ruin, there's going to be wars um, and, and all this destruction, maybe like, man, that's, that's enough. I don't want any more of this. I want out. Maybe that was like the last straw for, for Judas. Or it could have been the other thing that happened at the very end in that when they were going to Jerusalem, they stopped at this town called 
called Bethany. It's like a suburb of Jerusalem. And there was a family there. It was, one was, guy's name was Lazarus. You remember Lazarus. Jesus um, rose, in from, rose uh, Lazarus from the grave. And you have his, his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And something happens right before they go to the Passover. They're, they're at their house having a meal. And here's what it says starting um, in John chapter 12 and verse 4. They're having this meal. And Mary comes up to Jesus and takes this perfume, this super expensive perfume, and she dumps it on Jesus, his feet, and takes her hair and begins to clean and wipe his feet. And Judas says this. He says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? What in the world are you guys doing? Mary, what are you doing? Jesus, why are you letting that happen? Like, don't you know, I'm in charge of the money. We have like $2 left, okay? We gotta get to Jerusalem. That's all the money we have left. Why are we doing this? You know, because here's the deal. We could use that money for something. And honestly, the, John, John says in this that Judas did that because he actually liked to take a cut. He liked to, to pocket some of that money. And so in his selfishness, Judas said, that's it. I can't take it anymore. Those two things were the, the last things that, that Jesus did they really sent Judas over the edge. And in Matthew chapter 26, he begins the plot to overthrow or to, to, to betray Jesus. It says that one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, which was uh, about several months worth of, of money back, back in that day. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. And the first thing that I find really interesting in this story is is. Judas's deception. Think about it. He was deceptive in a couple of ways. First, he, he faked his character. He was faking his trustworthiness because he was in charge of the money. And out of all the guys, he was the one that was, that was most trustworthy amongst the disciples. And no one expected Judas to be the betrayer. If they lined up all 12 of the disciples and said, who's going to betray Jesus? Judas probably would have been the last one picked because he was the trustworthy one. He was the one that had all the money. So he was, he was faking his character. But you know what? He was also faking his walk with Jesus. Do you know that the disciples, they started out in their relationship with Jesus and they called him rabbi at the very beginning when, they, when Jesus called him. But it didn't take very long before all the disciples began to call him Lord and Master and the Son of God. Everything changed. They began to, to worship Jesus. But the Bible, every time that, that Judas has a conversation with Jesus, he always calls him rabbi. Never calls him Lord. And when he calls him rabbi, what he was saying is, just, thanks, teacher. Yes, I'll go do that, teacher. Jesus never, never became, become who Jesus was supposed to be in the disciples' lives for Judas. He was just Judas's teacher. Which bring me, brings me to the first question for today. Are you like Judas? Are you faking your faith? Are you faking your faith, just like Judas was? Last night, my family is in town. They're, over, they're sitting over here and and we started uh, watching um, a show on Hulu, and it was uh, Arachnophobia. Anybody ever seen this show? 1990. Man, if you want to watch something awesome, go watch it, especially with little kids. They'll love it. You'll never, they'll never go to bed, okay? Arachnophobia is a story. It's just it's kind of this, this comedy kind of like uh, this horror show, and, and these spiders like invade this town, and they're just everywhere, and it's just crazy. And while we're watching this, there's all these jump scares and stuff, and I, I get um, online, and I want to figure out how did they make these spiders do all the things that they were doing. And, and I realized quickly as we were, we, were reading, we were watching the movie and I was telling them, hey, here's how they're doing this, here's how they're doing this. We realized that it's all fake. 
You know, everything that the spiders were doing, it was all fake. It was just, just a, a figment of, of our imaginations. Like they, they were, it was, this, this movie had, had nothing to do with reality. And I wonder if for some of us, our lives are kind of like just like a movie. And we're just actors playing the part. That we're saying the lines as Christians that we're supposed to say. And we're doing the things that Christians are supposed to do. Or our lives, we, we put our lives through a certain kind of filter, like a social media kind of filter. You know, when someone's taking a picture of themselves and they want to put it online and they start scrolling through all the filters and they change this appearance and they change this, they change the background, they change the lighting, they change all these different things. Before long, when they post something online, it has, I mean, it's, it's so far from reality. You know what I mean? What people put on, want people to, to, how people want to see them. And I wonder if that's how we are sometimes in our walk with Jesus. Because that sounds a lot like Judas. He was faking his faith. He was faking his faith by faking it with God. Like I said earlier, he, he never called Jesus what Christians are supposed to call Jesus. Because Christians are supposed to call Jesus my Lord, my God, my Savior, my help, my healer, my master, my shepherd, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. He only called him teacher. He was faking it. And he was faking it with other people. He was faking it with the other disciples. They had no idea that he was going to betray Jesus. If you don't believe me, look what happened. So Jesus says, he who's, who is uh, going to betray me, I'm going to dip the, the bread in the wine and I'm going to hand it to them and they're going to eat it. That's the person that's going to betray me. And they're like, is it going to be me? 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 And then John chapter 13, verse 27, here's what happens when they're in the Passover meal. It says, then after he had taken that morsel, Talking about Judas, Satan entered him. And Jesus said to him, what are you going to do? Do quickly. So, so Jesus says that and literally hands it to Judas. Judas puts that in his mouth and eats it. And the other disciples are like, who's it going to be? Right? Like you're like, come on, guys. Shouldn't you be able to figure this out? And it's crazy. Look at verse 28. It says, now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag that, he was, that Jesus, Jesus was telling him, uh, buy what we need for the feast, okay? Go, go off and do what you need to do. Or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. Why didn't they go after Judas? I mean, think about it. These guys had given everything to Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, one of you guys is gonna betray me. It's gonna be that guy. And that guy gets up and leaves and they're like, later, Right? They don't even do anything. Why would they not go and, and, and take care of this guy? Why did Peter not get big James and say, let's go. Let's take this guy out, okay? Because we're not going to let him mess up what Jesus is trying to do. I mean, it was 11 verses 1. And the Bible says that they did nothing. They just sat there. They just sat there and kept having conversations with Jesus. And I think the reason they sat there is because Judas was such a good actor. He was such a good faker. And everybody looked at him and thought he had a great relationship with Jesus and he had no relationship with Jesus. My question is, is that you? That you come to church and you sit in, in the, your seats and you do Christian things and you say Christian things, but if you were to be honest with yourself and with God, you'd say, really, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm just faking it. And when I look at Judas's life, it kind of scares me a lot. For people who pretend that they have a relationship with God and they don't. Judas was playing games. 
And I wonder if we do that sometimes as well. And not only was, was Judas fake, but he was following a fake Jesus in his mind. And I wonder, are you? Are you following the Jesus of the Bible or the Jesus you want him to be? Because there's a difference. Sometimes we follow the Jesus uh, of Scripture, and sometimes we follow the Jesus that we kind of create in our minds. When I graduated from high school, I went and uh, visited with my friends, and we got to hang out. They had like a ranch, and, and they, there was this, this uh, kind of empty pit um, that they had dug rocks out and stuff, and it, they had this trail that went down to this pit. And man, right down at the bottom of this, in the middle of this pit, was this perfect mound of dirt. And we're like, this is a perfect jump. Okay, and so we get our bicycles and we go up to the top of the hill. And in my mind, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be like Evil Knievel and I'm just going to go, boom, you know what I'm saying? They can take pictures of me and it's going to be slow motion. It's going to be amazing. And so I, I start trucking it. I'm going down this, this hill and I'm just going, going, going. And I hit this jump. Then I kind of panicked. And all that happened is my front tires went, boom like straight into the ground, right? And I go flying over the handlebars. The, the, the bike comes flipping and lands on top of me. And my friend runs down, you know, he's like, are you okay, okay? And after I caught my breath, I'm like, okay, I'm okay, okay. And, and thank goodness we didn't try that again. But man, I thought I could do something that I couldn't do. And you can probably think of times in your life where you're like, I could do that. I can make that happen, you know? And realize, you know what, I can't, I can't do that. And for Judas... He looked at Jesus, and he thought Jesus was going to be something that he, that he wasn't going to do. Jesus wasn't going to be the kind of Messiah that Judas wanted him to be. Judas, he really didn't know the real Jesus. And when we don't know the Jesus of the Bible, we end up making Jesus something that he's not. How do we do that? One way we do that is we say we know Jesus, but we never read our Bible. And so you hear things about how, you, how Jesus, how you want Jesus to be, and you, you say the name of Jesus, and you talk about him, but really when it comes down to it, he's just like a, like a good luck charm. He's just your gift giver, like a Santa Claus. He's like a genie in the bottle. And you can really tell by how your prayer life is. Do you spend time in your, in your prayer life just thanking Jesus for who he is, or is it just a giant list of things that you want him to do for you? My, my question is, is that the Jesus of the Bible? Because to me, that is not the Jesus of the Bible. Because here's what the Bible has to say about Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus the way, the truth, the life, the Son of God, the Lamb that was slain, our only hope for salvation, the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days, the Creator, the Great I Am, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, God Himself. Jesus wasn't look, Judas wasn't looking for that kind of Jesus. He wasn't looking for the, the, the Jesus of Scripture. He was looking for the, the Jesus that was in his mind, and he missed out. He missed the real Jesus. And so he wanted out. He wanted to be done. And he wanted to make a little cash while he was doing it as well. The Bible says that then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? He's saying, I want out. I think this is a warning for all of us today that if you're worshiping, if you're not worshiping the Jesus of the scripture, then you're not worshiping Jesus. Think about that. If your, your idea of who Jesus is does not line up with scripture, then you're worshiping a false God. You're not worshiping the Jesus of scripture. So those are the kind of the two questions I have for you today. Are you faking your faith? Or are you following the Jesus of the Bible? 
or the Jesus you want him to be. But there's one final lesson, and honestly, this one's pretty devastating in Judas's life. So Judas leaves. Jesus and disciples get up after a while, and they go to the garden. Jesus is praying, and the story picks up in Matthew chapter 26, starting verse 47. Here's what it says. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, okay, the one that I, I will kiss is the man, so seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, what does he call him? Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on, on Jesus and seized him. So, so Judas finally does the unthinkable. He betrays Jesus, the things that, that he's known for. But his story isn't finished yet. So Jesus, he's arrested. He goes through this fake trial overnight. And the story picks up in Matthew chapter 27. Get this. Verse 3 says, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. And he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. He's like, Let, let's fix this. I don't want to do this anymore. And here's what they said. What is that to us? See to it yourselves. They said, not our problem, you know. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. I don't know if he caught this, but Judas changed his mind. He said he was sorry. He was sorry for what he did. He, he was filled with remorse for what he did. But I'm telling you what, this morning, being filled with remorse and feeling sorry for, for what happened does not mean repentance. That does not mean repentance. And what I realize is, is that the saddest part of Judas's life and his story is not that he betrayed Jesus. And that's something that we always think about. It's not that he betrayed Jesus, it's that he didn't ask for forgiveness. I mean, think about that. Judas had an opportunity to go and ask for forgiveness, but he didn't. Because, see, I believe that there was still hope for, for, for Judas. There's still hope for his life to be turned around, even after betraying Jesus. And a lot of times we look at Judas's life and we're like, oh, lost cause, you know? There's, there's no way. Once he did that, he is done. He is damned to hell, okay? That's what we would say about, about Judas. But I do not believe that that is accurate. Why? Because 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that, get this, all should reach repentance. All of us, everyone, even the worst of the worst, even the betrayer of the Son of God, the Father says, there's still hope for you. There's still an opportunity for you. And if there's hope for Judas, there's still hope for us. There's still hope for you. Over the weekend, I was watching some like Olympic um, highlights, you know? 
I don't have time to watch all the Olympics, okay? But I'm watching the highlights. You know, just when America does something awesome, that's kind of the highlights I don't watch, okay? And so there's the, the, the uh, wrestlers, okay? So these, these, these giant guys, they're in the, the wrestling competition. It's the finals. And the American is wrestling the Russian. And there is like less than one minute left. And the American is down by three points. I don't know how all the scoring goes in wrestling, but there was, it was like completely over. It was sad. The commentators were saying, man, he tried his hardest. And all of a sudden there's 30 seconds left. There's 20 seconds left. It gets down to 10 seconds left. And they're just kind of holding on to each other. And this Russian's not going to let him do anything. And it literally gets down to one second. And this American pulls off the greatest like wrestling move ever. And he grabs this guy, flips him around. And with less than half a second left, pins him and wins the gold medal. If you haven't seen this, it is amazing. It's, it's crazy. He gets up and starts running around. All of his coaches are going nuts. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen um, in, in, the, in the Olympic sports. This guy realized that it wasn't over yet. You get that? It wasn't over yet. And at the last moment, Judas didn't think that Jesus could save him, but he could have. And the worst decision that Judas made in his life, it didn't happen on Thursday night when he betrayed Jesus. It happened on Friday morning when he didn't ask for forgiveness. And instead, you know what he did? He tried to pay for his own sins by going and killing himself. And we know where Judas is today. And it's sad. Instead of hanging on a tree, he should have been at the foot of the cross while Jesus was hanging on the cross. And he should have been on his knees asking Jesus to forgive him. And I believe that Jesus would have looked down at Judas and said, you are forgiven. And if, if Judas had asked for forgiveness, we would look at Judas a lot differently. He wouldn't be like listed 9,000 and something on the baby uh, name list. He would be listed probably in the top 10 because his name would be synonymous with the greatest turnaround in the history. Of God doing something that was so miraculous. The greatest story of redemption. He was this close to, to, to being famous instead of infamous. You know what I mean? But he didn't ask for forgiveness. It's sad. It's the worst mistake of his life was not asking for forgiveness. And for you this morning, let me realize something. The saddest part of your life is not the sin in your life. Here's the deal, we're, we're all sinners. The saddest part is not the sin it's that you haven't asked for forgiveness. You'll come to church, you'll watch online, you'll sit in the chairs, and you do all the Christian things, but deep down inside, you know that you're as lost as Judas. Or deep down inside, you think, there's, I am a lost cause, and there, there's no way that I can make myself right with God. And the reality is that is right. You can't make yourself right with God. Only he can do that. But what he asks you to do is come to him, to seek him to fall on your knees at the cross and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I've been faking it. Just a big show and I'm tired of faking it. I want a real relationship with you. I don't, I don't wanna call you just teacher anymore. I wanna call you my Lord. So there's an opportunity for that to happen today for all of us. The question is why not? Like, why not today? Why wait? Why can't today be the day that Jesus forgives you of your sin? All you got to do is go to him. All you got to do is go to him and be real and say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. 
You just fall on your face and, and beg and plead him to forgive you. And the Bible says that he will forgive you. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Not to hold things over us. Not to condemn us for all the bad things we've done. It says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. To wash us clean from all unrighteousness, for all the junk that is in our lives. The saddest part of our lives, it's not our sin. The saddest part is that we don't ask for forgiveness. If you need to do that, maybe today is the day. Would you pray with me? God, I just pray for everyone in this room. There's someone in this room that, that, that needs to get right with you. Why not today? Like, why do we keep playing games? Why do we keep faking it? I think it's because we're honestly, we're, we're scared of what people might think about us, but who cares? We should care more about what you think about us. We should care more about what Jesus did on the cross to save us from our sins. We should be begging and pleading God to save us instead of trying to do it on our own like Judas did, instead of faking our relationship with you. God, I believe there's someone in this room who's been playing games and they need to get right with you today. So God, I pray you give them boldness to do that. Maybe it's coming to the front here in a second when we finish as we sing a last song and maybe it's going over to their right in the connection room and talking privately with, privately with one of our pastors. God, whatever you're calling them to do, I pray you give them boldness to do that. Holy Spirit, that you just, just wreck their, their heart and their stomach right now that they wouldn't wait. Because God, we are never guaranteed tomorrow. And maybe all of this summer has been all about this moment where we look at, at Judas's life and instead of looking at him as, as the betrayer, as that being the saddest part, instead of looking at his sin as being the saddest part, the God that we would look at Judas differently and see that him not asking for forgiveness is the ultimate saddest part. And God, I don't want anybody's life to be like that. You've given us your word this morning. You've called us to repentance this morning. I pray, God, that if you were calling anybody to do that, that they would be bold enough to come to the foot of the cross and ask for forgiveness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.